Welcome to the Ultimate Journey Podcast, Awakening to Spirit, Episode 29, Vegans versus Meat Eaters. Hi, I'm your host, Frank DiGenova, and thank you for joining me today. First of all, I want to promise you that no animals were harmed or eaten during the making of this podcast. This is a very touchy subject and is perfect to stick a fork into, or if you prefer, a knife. My intention with this podcast is about education and to open up a healthy discussion. Maybe we can figure out why vegans have to announce that they're vegan when they announce their name and why the meat eaters get so upset about this. The world we live in is very complex and also is governed by duality. There's a lot of contradictions and opposing views that seem not to make any sense at all, which gives us the opportunity to be able to defend and argue both sides of a topic. There are many memes out there that show a cat and a pig saying, okay, what makes one your pet and what makes the other dinner? And then to contrast that, the meat eaters have a meme that show broccoli next to roses and say, okay, what makes one (laughs) a meal and not a meal? Then there's the chasm of Hitler and Jesus. Hitler was the vegetarian and Jesus ate meat or fish anyway. And as we explore deeper into this podcast, I will give more examples of this. There are so many facets to this conversation that, I mean, I'll do my best to try to keep everything in flow and in theme, and I'll probably go back and forth a lot just to kind of cram it all in here. In the red corner, we have Vegan weighing an approximately of, I don't know how many pounds, and in the blue corner, we have the Meat Eaters weighing, I don't have a clue either. Let's get ready to rumble! Whoa, whoa, cut it out, guys. Okay, from a vegetarian's point of view, man only needed to eat meat when fruits, vegetables, nuts weren't available seasonally or when the ice age came or whatever. And then the custom was unnecessarily continued. You have the indigenous tribes that uh, with the climate, you know, like the Inuit, um, they have to have their seal meat. But uh, now the argument is that we have choice and we should know better and we shouldn't kill um, and cause harm to animals. And that if you look at carnivores like lions, dogs, wolves, cats, etc., they have short digestive systems and they have 10 times higher acid, and they hunt at night and sleep during the day, and they don't sweat through their skin, but through their tongue. And that animals that are vegetarian, like the cow, horse, zebra, spend the day under the hot sun and sweat through their skin. So it's all about the teeth, you know, the claws, the pointed, jagged to rip through the flesh, that the meat eaters have no molars, they just rip off, but the vegetarians have the flat molars that grind and chew their food. Like the elephants and cow, they chew thoroughly and drink with their mouths, not their tongues like the meat eaters, and that they have longer digestive systems, you know, and that plants don't decay as fast as the rotting flesh does, you know, and that we humans resemble more vegetarians, you know, and that vegans are healthier, they don't have any heart attacks, they have low cholesterol, they're much stronger, they have more endurance. Eating meat is bad for the environment, for the water, you know, global warming, and you know, you see these torture of animal videos and it's inhumane. Yes, all good points. So let's look at it in a different way, you know. Some people argue that cows are vegan because they eat plants all day long and don't need animal protein to be healthy. So, you know, so logically, us humans should be able to do the same. Well, there's a problem with this line of thinking. For a start, 
You know, a human is not a two-legged cow, nor is a plant-based diet the same or equivalent of grazing on grass. You know, we have to point out that we are different from animals and we can't compare ourselves to other herbivores or animals that are herbivores. Let's look at the type of vores, like omnivores and herbivores. Let's break that down first. Okay, we'll begin with omnivores and they're not specialized eaters. They're just basically opportunistic feeders. You know, even a wolf Although it prefers and it eats meat, it will survive on grasses and vegetables, even fruit, if there's no meat around. So it's not just proprietary with um, meat. Other animals include, you know, bears and badgers and raccoons and pigs and, of course, us humans. Now, herbivores do specialize in eating one type of food, which is plant-based. Although I've seen some deer go after other deer and other uh, fleshy animals. <laughs> There's a videos out there that says uh, animals gone wild or gone bad. So nothing's an absolute. We can divide the herbivores into two. Now, there's the grazers, which is the cows, obviously, who you know eat grass down the low level. And then the browsers, which like giraffes, they'll go for the higher ones like leaves, twigs and stems and stuff. And us humans are neither of these. Or if you're starving, you can try eating grass and leaves and twigs. I dare you to give that a shot. OK, here's where the goalposts are different or changed now. This is it. Cows have four large stomachs called rumens, and in them they contain parasites, bacteria, flukes, fungi, or all these microorganisms and microbiome or not. That helps break the grass that they eat down and, you know, the plant matter. Omnivores have just one stomach containing hydrochloric acid, bile, pepsin, and so on. Stomach acid does not break down cellular plant matter. It only breaks down flesh from land and sea, eggs, dairy, and so on. You see, when a cow eats, it chews grass and it grinds it in its teeth like 200 times. It swallows it and then it regurgitates it up. And now the bacteria that's in its rumen or in its stomach, the first stomach, breaks it down enough to pass into the other stomach. You know, it chews it and brings it up and chews it and brings it up and then it gets saturated with the microbiome. And interestingly, that in, in a stomach with acid in it, if there is any uh, microbiome, um, it's bad. One common one is H. pylori. No, that uh, shows that something's wrong in the stomach. So basically, stomach acid breaks down animal products and byproducts, and rumens um, break down or they compost the plant matter, just like our backyard. If you've uh, ever composted um, any uh, scraps, you would know that you put all these nice, colorful uh, scraps in your compost, and then later, what happens, they turn into a dark, rich soil, just like our dark poo. So basically, our intestines ferment and break down the plant matter like the rumen of a cow. So our rumen is basically our intestines. We can do both, so we are omnivores. There is also the foregut and hindgut fermentors, but we're not going to get into that right now or in this episode. When we eat the cellulose, we can't totally break it down, but what doesn't get broken down is good because it, we need fiber in our diets to sweep everything out. And it's also food for our uh, microbiome. But that's a whole nother podcast as well. God, this is going all over the place. I gotta kind of, I gotta rein it in here. I just want to touch on how a lot of uh, vegans say that uh, elephants and, and and gorillas are strong and and they just eat plants. But let's take a look at that. Well, elephants eat about a 400 pounds of vegetation every day. You know, twigs and tree bark and bushes and roots and 
you know, grass as well as some fruits too. And gorillas eat about 40 pounds a day, but they're pickier about what they eat. They eat only parts of plants that they get, just a root of leaves or a stalk. But in doing so, they also consume a small amount of insects, grubs, and snails. Even though gorillas are a close cousin, I think they're, what, 98, 90, 98% of uh, genetic similarity. We have a different physiology for sure. But the funny thing is, is when a gorilla has a big belly, it's considered to be healthy. But when us humans have a big belly, it signifies that we're obese and we have health problems. Gorillas have a way longer colon than we do, so they can ferment all these you know, plant fibers and stuff. And to house all that microbiome and bacteria, so the fermentation process can, um, can happen. I wonder if they fart a lot, creating all that fermentation and gas. You know, and for humans, having a lean, flat stomach denotes health for a human. So we can't use animals to um, support our argument. But the icing on the cake, vegan or not, is that most herbivores spend all their time eating and grazing. You know, an elephant eats 18, 16, 16 to 18 hours a day. And because we can digest starches through the enzyme process and store that energy, you know, as from fat, we, are, we, are, we don't have to go through this endless cycle of eating. Thank God. If you want to learn more about all this, I talk about it in my book, Create the Life You Desire, um, Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. I just, I don't want to get into, I just feel like I'm bogging myself down with all this stuff. Let's get on to other topics here, like sentient beings. I wish that we could all agree that sentient beings are all matter as much as humans. Unfortunately, some people don't, uh, don't hold this view. If you're a vegan, I'd like to ask you an honest question. Is the main reason why you eat ethically, is it for not to kill an animal and not for them to be tortured. Everyone has their own personal reasons, which I do respect. So I want to just bring this into a different perspective, if I may. Did you know that the death of one cow produces 430 pounds of meat? And if you served um, a half pound per meal per person, it would make 860 meals. That's just from the flesh. Then you have the intestines, bones, uh, the, the hooves the organs, I could go on and on. Now, in addition to the many um, byproducts such as dairy and all its byproducts, were you aware of how much other products are derived from one cow or just from the cow? I mean, we're talking a lot of byproducts that we see every day, like, you know, things that we can found in cars, clothing detergents, sporting goods, um, you know, photographic equipment, um, uh, paints, art supplies, crayons, soaps, cosmetics, shoes, belts, you know, even asphalt, you know, fertilizers and wallpapers and glossy magazines and pianos and not to mention the kids tasty stuff like gummy bears and marshmallows and stuff. But what really blew my mind is the application in the medical industry. You know, things like allergy medicine, vaccines, vitamins, burnt burn ointments and first aid creams and respiratory inhalers, you know, the anti-rejection drugs and bandages and a whole bunch of laboratory research materials. It's crazy. You know what's even crazier? It takes the pancreases of 26 beef cattle to provide enough insulin to keep one diabetic person alive for an entire year. And the ironic thing is, is that eating too much of these processed crops can create and cause type 2 diabetes. Which brings me over to the crop industry. Now, as a vegan, you're very well aware that all life is precious and especially sentient beings, right? So, now I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm just a messenger here. Did you know that plowing and harvesting kill small mammals 
snakes, lizards, tons of insects like spiders, and other animals in vast numbers. In addition to this, the millions of mice that are poisoned in grain storage facilities every year. At least 55 sentient animals die to produce 100 kilograms of usable protein. That's 25 times more than the same amount for beef or a cow. So you have all that, all that crop death compared to one death. And I told you how much one cow can feed. I'm not trying to be an asshole here. I'm just trying to figure, just to, I'm just trying to let you know that there's more crop deaths to produce soya in wheat than there is, than there is for meat, you know, all types of meat. Never mind, we can talk about chickens. That's a whole nother story. I'd like to address the global warming argument and the greenhouse emissions, how they're saying that it's the from farting cows. There's too many cows in the in the world and they're taking up all the water and you know the their methane is destroying the carbon in the air. What if it's not from that, but from the damaging of our soil? Have you ever thought about that? Did you know that the humus is an organic component in dirt? created by decomposing plant and animal waste. You know, it's made mostly of carbon. And when, you know, we get the agricultural chemicals in there, plowing, we destroy this precious humus and release the carbon into the atmosphere, which turns into carbon dioxide or greenhouse emissions. For those of you that don't know, humus is uh, in, in, in the soil is like a spongy gelatin that attracts and holds to a lot of water. I can mean a lot of water. This means a healthy soil doesn't need a lot of watering. Since damaged soil cannot retain water, a lot of runoff occurs in the, in the flash flooding as well, swelling rivers, and then the, all the pesticides that are used on top of that go into our water tables. I think that we are victims of misinformation, and we're told, we're told a lot of lies by the uh, agricultural industry. I don't know what agenda is behind these animal torture videos, and I, you know, if it's designed to stop us eating from meat altogether, but to me, when I see um, these unethical um, treatment of animals with these videos, it's disgusting, it makes me sick, and there's no room for this at all. But the thing is, I mean, we've, we've kind of, a lot of us have lost touch with the, the marriage and the dance of animals on the grass. What's interesting to me is that a pure plant-based diet relies totally on the industrial agricultural complex. It's big pharma and big uh, agra. This model is, is a cheap and prof- profitable way of making food, of producing food. You know, you have less meat, you have more grain, um, which from my book, if you read, you know, lots of grain and lots of processed carbohydrates leads to a lot of disease. You know, you get more supplements. Um, Everybody's making money on this. But if we ate naturally from the soil, we have everything that we need. And this whole thing about a food shortage, there's not a food shortage in the world. You know, Big Agra overproduces around 50% of the grain it grows. I mean, (laughs) there's a surplus there's so much surplus, and the thing is that they feed this grain to animals. They shouldn't be eating these grains. Animals don't eat grains. They, eat, they should eat grasses, wild grasses and vegetation that naturally grow without pesticides in the fields. Grains make them fat. Yeah? Well, they got to be fat so they get more yield on the markets. You know, grains are making us fat too. And did you know that a lot of countries that, um, that are supposed famine have embargoes set on them from their own governments to keep them down? It's ridiculous. Did you know that in nature, um, you know, monocultures, that means like a whole field of corn, a whole field of wheat doesn't exist. If you look in nature, vegetation is, is scattered. Mother Earth favors a polyculture and, and despises um, the monoculture, you know, how most fruits and vegetables are put together in rows. So what does Mother Nature do? She creates disease, you know, pests, predators, just so it can call these unnatural formations. And consider this in the wild 
yield is so low and exposed to all sorts of wildlife. And this makes me question if we were meant to eat in abundance of vegetation. I have a garden in my backyard and I find it so hard to grow a high enough yield to feed even just for myself. I'm going to be an engineer to figure out ways to, you know, off-put the predators that um, steal all the food that I've grown, you know, and to get big yields, you know, you're forced to do chemical fertilizers, which I don't do. And, you know, that's probably why organic produce isn't cheap because, you know, not, not using chemicals is, is not cost effective at all. This same concept applies to raising animals. You know, sustainable farming involves honoring both the animal and the land. And together, they create an incredible ecosystems. You know, animals are pasture raised on natural grasses. They eat, digest, defecate, and urinate their waste onto the soil. And this, you know, reintroduces the microbiome and compost, which fertilizes the soil, the earth. It takes about four months for the soil to get back into optimal quality. Any farmer will tell you that if you leave the livestock for too long in a fenced area, the animals will destroy the grass and even the root systems. So he has to move or she has to move them to greener pastures, so to speak. And in the fields, like for say the sheep, they need a, a shepherd or herdsman to relocate them. And in the wild, Mother Nature provides predators to act as a shepherd. You know, that just forces all the herds to stick together to protect themselves. And then when they're chased, go to fresher grazing lands. You know, sometimes an animal's killed off in the process, but hey, that's the cost of doing business. Raising pasture-fed livestock isn't very profitable, you know, challenging for large-scale production. And the only model that's lucrative is the inhumane way, you know, where animals are caged, crammed together, beaten, tortured, you know, pumped up with antibiotics, you know, many become sick as a result, you know. And same thing with growing grains, you know, with chemicals and machines, it's very profitable and easy. You know, livestock is taken off of the natural land, separated, and then raised on cement floors. You know, as I said... The animals are fed grains and dead animals, remnants, and who knows what else they shouldn't even be eating. We are so far removed from this, we can't even see. No one should support this model of grains, of crops, or of animals. It's disgusting. The big question here is, do we need to really kill another life form to sustain our own? But the unfortunate truth is, is that to eat is to kill another life form. Regardless, you can make the argument that plants can feel pain you know and that cows and pigs can express fear better than chickens and fish and even more than the plants you know that's why they resist more when their life is threatened you know i believe that the higher evolved an animal is the more it can express its reluctance to die and conversely the more evolved we are the greater awareness we have about killing beings that have a high consciousness you know a plant can't yell don't eat me they can only produce toxins such as lectins and anti-nutrients to deter predators from us, like eating them, you know, especially the seeds. A lot of the seeds are poisonous. You know, my adage is, if you can kill it, then you can eat it. And many won't be able to do this. You know, if you hear an animal cry out, no, don't eat me, how many people would eat it? There are those that believe that lower consciousness animals have incarnated simply to sacrifice themselves to sustain humans. You know, doing so would elevate their soul to a higher state of reincarnation the next time. And many Hindus believe that the elephant is in its last animal embodiment before taking on a physical form in its next life. Then there's the alternative mindset that uh, varying blood types and body constitutions dictate the need for meat or not. Some can thrive on flesh, some can't. You know, many women find that eating red meat once a month helps them with their depleted iron during their menses. And some people believe that eating meat provides strength and, you know, increases aggression. There are those who are convinced that because India's majority population is vegetarian, 
that they became passive, which allowed other, others to invade them in the past. And apparently the Sikhs were the mediators and they were defending India. I don't know, you just hear all these sorts of things. True or not, I'm not saying that they're, that they're not real. I guess the real test is, is that if you were out in the wild, you know, are you, are you more likely to survive uh, hunting um, wildlife than foraging on berries? You know, and if you decide that you will not kill if there's no food, you know, um, for morality reasons, then I tip my hat off to you because that's amazing. Um, but I ask you, if you were hungry or starving, would that cause one to do unthinkable things? You know, especially when the fridge and the stomach are full and then the, and then the whole foods and organic food depots and the entire supply chain is working. One won't really know until the chips are down when you're starving and you're delirious and you want to eat what you would really do. You know, if you were put in that position or not. It's easy to talk from the armchair. We can all agree that junk food is bad for us. That whole food that is, you know, afforded to us from nature is what's best for us. And what our body recognizes, basically, you know, unprocessed, you know, food in its natural form. Many abstaining from meat are up against a challenge to have alternatives. You know, they have a lot of mock meats and processed tofus and processed foods. A lot of these foods are no better than fast food or junk food because they've been processed to shit. Like just, they're, they're just chemical shit shows. They don't even qualify as natural whole food. You know, that's another argument you can debate and say that um, if they're healthy meat eaters, they'll have grass-fed organic livestock, eggs, natural cheeses, you know, non-pasteurized. Everything's all living enzymes, you know, natural butter and all that stuff. You know, versus a whole array of synthetic vitamins and supplements and powders and prepared processed foods, patties and an alternative. You can eat Oreos. I think Oreos are vegan. They're not the healthiest thing to eat. All I'm saying is just being vegan alone is not guaranteed to be more healthy. You know, then there's the debate of meat eaters against vegans saying, well, you know, vegan diet, you, you know, there's no natural occurring vitamin B12, there's no creatine or carnosine or vitamin D3, um, no DHA or hemi iron, what else, taurine, zinc, you know, mega fatty acids, calcium, vitamin A. Choline, iodine, selenium, cholesterol, glycine, and amino acids, you know, um, that they, you know, vegetarians have or vegans have lower concentration of amino acids. And they say, well, you don't need to get the protein or amino acids from meat. You can do it from broccoli. And then, you know, there's arguments saying that they're not in the right proportion for the body. Only animal products have the right um, proportion of amino acids for, for the human body. I mean, it goes on and on. The true test for this is basically how you feel. I mean, it's, it's how you feel. I've heard from many ve uh, vegans that have gotten, that have become vegan and went back. Um, you know, they felt great the first two, two years, some just six months and some two, three years. Some people can go 10 years. And the majority of people I've been finding is that um, after a while, they tap out and they start feeling like shit. And then they're saying, you know, other vegans say, you're not doing it right. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. Some say veganism is a cult or it's just, it's for elitists. You know, it's all over the place. I know a lot of meat eaters are saying that we weren't designed to eat pills and supplements. It's not natural. Meat eaters can be unhealthy and vegans can be unhealthy. Um, a big argument is that their, uh, the cholesterol and fat is lacking in the vegan community. And, you know, it can cause... 
um, mental illness, cancers, blood disorders, and delayed sexual development, and neurological and digestive disorders, teeth problems, you know, and a whole array of other things. I mean, again, it's how you feel and how your body reacts to it. Some people can thrive on a vegan diet, and some can't. Then there's a debate where vegetables are the cleansers, and the animal products are the builders. And that veganism is the best fasting and detoxing protocol out there, but then you got to go back. So, I mean, I can go on for two, three, four hours talking about this. And, you know, what I wanted to do with this podcast is to present to you some things. I have got out of hand with a lot of them, but, you know, there's so much more to talk about. And I'm open for your comments. I'd love to hear your comments regarding this. In the uh, So please do share. I welcome you if you're against me or for me or whatever. I mean, this is just a discussion, healthy discussion. I like to end this podcast with um, finishing words on kind of global warming and how we can fix it. I believe that the way out of this is not simply to stop eating meat, as I believe animals should never be raised by the agricultural model, nor should we be supporting it. You know, the solution is sustainable farming. This means healing the soil and raising more livestock on the pasture. You know, planting more trees. Trees will help the, 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 um, the carbon, carbon go back into the trees and, and help all these emissions. This way, more carbon can be absorbed from the air and redirected back into the soil. You know, saving the planet means natural farming and not shunning it. You know, we used to grow vegetable gardens, rotate the crops and practice companion planting, you know, to keep the soil lush. You know, pests and disease had no chance. Well, they did, but we were on top of that. And we didn't use any chemical fertilizers and, 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 and pesticides. You know, we all get together to share the, share the yields, you know, have co-ops. We traded our resources. You know, and instead we turned to killing the, both the soil and the plants with chemicals and stuff. You know, support your local farming. It's, uh, that's kind to the animals and, you know, they don't suffer, that they're loved. Many of us aren't able to do any of these because due to our urban lifestyle. But the answer is, you know, to buy local, organic, and to support the natural uh, cooperatives. Consider getting back to the simple things in life. Let food be thy medicine and get a healthier relationship with food. You know, stick it to the man with all this production and processing and chemicals and bullshit, you know. If you enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to share this, add a comment, and subscribe to whichever platform you're listening to. You have been listening to the Ultimate Journey podcast, Awakening to Spirit. I'm your host, Frank DeGenova. Thank you for listening. Join me again next time for more spiritual talk. You can reach me at info at theultimatejourneyawakeningthespirit.com. And until next time, walk in love and in gratitude.